You don't even have to know what time it is because if you hear the music and if you hear my voice and if it's Thursday, it's 1046 on the East Coast. Dan Nathan, how are you today, my man? Yeah, this is the meeting that matters at 1046 Eastern, right? I mean, that's really what's going on Listen. And you know it's brought to us by Open Exchange because they manage virtual meetings that yeah. do matter for the top companies around the world. Dan, a lot going on. We're going to break down a few research calls in 14 minutes. I know what got me all hyped up this week. Why don't you tell the folks at home what got me hyped up? Well, first of all, it wasn't even a research call. It was a legendary macro yes. investor writing an op-ed in the Wall Street Journal coming on CNBC's Squawk Box and detailing his view. He thinks, guy, I, I, I'm not sure if you agree with this, okay? Yeah. But he uh-huh. thinks the Fed is playing with fire here. Stop he wrote it. this op-ed on Tuesday. It was all the rage all over Wall Street. He believes the Fed has overstayed their welcome and inflation <laughs> is inevitable. Hey, uh, you know, Titanic hits iceberg if he's just coming to that conclusion right now, because you wouldn't shut up about it for the last, what, six to nine months about the growing inflation. And uh, you just thought that there was potential for the Fed to kind of really paint themselves in a quarter. They said they were going to let inflation run hot. They've been saying that for quarters over quarters. And he's citing high stock market valuations. Mm -hmm. He's saying the crypto craze and the frenzy over SPACs, just a few examples of the response of the Fed's aggressive policies, again, overstaying their welcome, and believes the policy and heavy debts and deficits will threaten the dollar standing as the reserve world currency. You've been saying this for a while. He thinks within 15 years, you have a different time frame. Yeah, a lot to unravel here or unwrap, as they say. You know, it's funny. I find myself, the self-loathing I go through over (laughs) periods of time because, you know, so many things I think are just not coming to fruition and not a lot of people out there that sort of hold some of the, the ideas and thoughts that I have, which is fine. I mean, I don't mind being sort of a maverick, if you want to use that word. But then you hear, first of all, you read it, and then you hear Stan on Squawk Box on Tuesday and he's basically preaching to the choir in terms of me being the choir. I'm like, you know, <laughs> preach. What do they do? Or amen. Whatever they do in the pews, that's what I was doing at home. Because yeah, he's spot on. And you know what? The Fed has absolutely overstayed their welcome. And the genius Jerome Powell, who a few months ago basically said, regardless, and I'm paraphrasing here, I yeah. know, but regardless of what happens, we're not raising rates until 2023. We welcome inflation. We want inflation. We'll be careful what you wish for, big boy. Because you right. just might get it. And you get, don't all write me. And they got it yesterday in the, in the CPI print, which was ridiculous. Nobody expected it to be that hot. So oh, stop let's see it. how they I navigate mean, but that, this. But thing. that's oh, the thing. No, no, that's not the thing. That's exi- Nobody expected that number. You can say everybody was looking for it. Nobody was looking for that number of that magnitude. Right. So, all right. So what you're saying, so what do we do with this call here? You get to talk about this every day when we do things like 1046 or on CNBC. Stan Druckenmiller comes out maybe once or twice a year, makes yeah. a big macro call. He doesn't say what to do with it. And I think it's interesting the next day that the CPI came out, like you said, it was hot. People were expecting hot. They didn't expect that hot. The stock market, or at least investors in the stock market, didn't like it. That's one of the reasons why the NASDAQ has been underperforming, because the, the idea that rates are going to go higher, it's going to be negative for high valuation NASDAQ stocks, that sort of thing. What do you do with this call? What do you do when you think about rates, when you think about the dollar, and when you think about the stock market? That's the really important thing, because he didn't put no, his is. finger on anything saying, this is how I'm trading this. No, and he was very out front and very outspoken about that. He's like, look, I don't know what this means. I don't know how to time this. And he wasn't suggesting mm. it, you know, the stock market was going to collapse overnight. What he said was they've been paring down their equity risk over the last four or five months. Okay, 
you know what, in retrospect, that's probably been the good thing to do, especially if you've been in some of these high valuation tech names. Right. And he said, look, I'm just putting it out there. These are my thoughts. And you're right. You know, he can parade out a couple times a year and make comments like this and then go back and not be heard from for a while. So I'm not suggesting it's easy to do, but it doesn't mean he's not right. And well, how do you trade it? Well, we have some charts if you want to sort of slide it, Earl, and take a look at these things. First one I want to look at is the dollar index. You know what camp I've been in. And yep. obviously the move into Dixie up to 94 surprised me a great deal. But I think, and I've said it, I think all rallies needed to be faded. And I continue to think any rally in the dollar needs to be faded. You see what's going on, $31 trillion with a T deficit now. And all the policies putting into place are very dollar negative. I think the dollar heads down to that lower end, that 88 level. This is a great chart, by the way. If it breaks 88, Katie, I don't know who she is, but she better <laughs> bar the door because that sucker is going to go a lot lower, a lot faster, Dan, Nathan. All right. So let's talk rage real quickly. Because please, this is, please. This is, the, this is the one point that I took out of this op-ed. Um, you said the Congressional Budget Office projects that in 20 years, almost 30 percent of all yearly fiscal revenues will have to be used solely to pay back interest on government debt up from the current level of 8 percent. So, you know, more taxes simply don't bridge that gap is what he's saying. This is my view. You can say whatever you want about the dollar when the Fed in the response to the global financial crisis lowered interest rates to zero and started QE. What were they trying to do? They were trying to weaken the dollar. Right. So when I think about it as it relates to rates, here we are. Just draw a line. Look at the 10-year U.S. Treasury yield over the last 30 or 40 years. Upper left, bottom right, man. We went to zero effectively last summer, right? If you think about it, negative rates were generally negative. I just don't see rates going up meaningfully. I know you think that the 10 years going to 2%, maybe it does. I don't think it ever goes above 3% anytime soon. I don't give a crap what you think about inflation. I think it has to do with this the is. This yeah. is a fr family-friendly uh, show. Sorry. Let's try to leave the vernacular out of it, okay? Right. And I'm with you. I understand what you're saying. How can rates go higher under that backdrop? And oh, by the way, if I didn't mention it, Stan also said that he no longer sees the U.S. dollar being a reserve currency Correct. in the next 15 years. By the way, by the by, as they say, I think he's actually being a little bit optimistic when he says that. I think it's going to happen a lot sooner than that. And you can at me all you want at Twitter, at Guy Adami. I embrace the hatred. Um, but in terms of yields, listen, up to 174-ish yesterday, I guess, in the 10-year. I think it goes to 2% by Memorial Day, whenever the hell that is. And that's probably now I'm a little too close. But I think you understand what I'm saying. By early yes. summer, 2% is in the crosshairs. I don't think that's going to be particularly bullish for equities, especially if it coincides with the U.S. dollar going lower. Dan, we need a research call. We've been we've been harping too much yeah. on Stan the Man. Great player for the <clears throat> St. Louis Cardinals, by the way. Next. All right. So listen, bring us in. This is actually a related sort of call. U.S. Steel um, has been on an absolute tear. It was yeah, like, it, uh, it was like a like a child hat size a little more than a year ago. Now it's like 26, 27 bucks. Morgan Stanley upgrades it. This kind of fits into this thesis here, guy. Um, the analysts see still prices in the U.S. Uh, U.S. remain at a near all-time highs, and market fundamentals are supportive of a stronger um, for longer. Stronger for longer. I like that outlook here. Cites extended lead times, low inventories, limited imports as positive signals. Demand re remains resilient. Price target goes to 32 from 24. Yeah. In your mind, that might be a little conservative. Yeah, I think so. Look, first of all, good for Morgan Stanley. I mean, I think at least they're trying to get ahead of this. By the way, Credit Suisse raised um, their price target to 35 from 15.15 on yeah. May 4th, just so you're out there. And Goldman actually initiated neutral on April 9th with a $25 price target. That's the one you want to watch because they're going to have to shift gears on that. But what do I like about this call? Well, 
better late than never, number one. But you know what? The steel industry, I mean, if you think about where U.S. Steel was in March of 2018, it was a $45 stock headed to 60. And then President Trump came out and did all the mandates and tariffs against the Chinese. Maybe well-deserved, I have no idea. But U.S. Steel spent the next year and a half going from 45 down to eight, as you mentioned. The environment for steel companies is better now than it was then. It's just factual. I mean, you can go and look at it if you want, <laughs> at me again at Twitter. This should be a $45 stock. I think you're going to see more analysts upgrade the name, especially if the U.S. dollar continues to go lower and if rates continue to go higher. So good for Morgan Stanley. I like this call, Dan. Yeah, here's a chart going back to 2009. Um, it's a log chart. You see that move from you know four bucks to here we are at like 27 and a half. You also see that 2014 high, which matches that 2018 high that you just mentioned, um, just below 50 actually. Um, and you know this thing, you know, from a technical standpoint, does it have room to the upside valuation? Probably still. You tell me what the demand's going to look like um, and what inflation looks like, and then maybe you get your $45 stock. All right, let's switch gears a little bit. There's so much indignation when you say that because I can hear, I know you so well, but that's okay. We'll I just, move listen, on. Can I tell you something? Is, go ahead. I see a clock ticking and it's ticking the wrong way. And I know that our friends at Open Exchange have oh, okay. meetings. So, so, they, so move, so move. So they move. have Quick. virtual meetings come that on, matter go, at 11 a.m. Eastern. Go. All right. Okay, man. Um, so Citigroup earlier in the week, this one, caught, you don't see downgrades of these two stocks frequently and you don't see them together. And they downgraded Facebook and Google both from buys. And what I think is interesting here is that Facebook has 49 buys, six hold and three sells. The fact that it has three sells is kind of surprising to me. Google, though, I mean, I don't think there's a better rated stock in the planet. 42 buys, one hold, no sells. Here's what the analyst is saying here. Um, they are not recommending any large cap ad-centric internet stocks except for Roku. Um, internet ad strength last quarter was robust. Well, you could say that again uh, if you looked at those quarters here. Um, but has been quarters. extrapolated to too far out by the sell side. So he's basically saying that the, the sell side is just too geeked up about both of these names here. And he sees deceleration in the back half. What's your take? We have a couple of really interesting charts because these stocks yeah. have acted extremely well. Put the charts up. Put the first chart up while I talk. I will tell Facebook. you, listen, the Facebook price target is $320. It's not like a raging sell call. As a matter of no. fact, 320 is higher than we are now. The average price target, by the way, 389 across the street. I can make a very compelling argument, given their growth, given their EPS, that Facebook could be a $385 to $400 stock. And I've said it for a very long time. I hate everything about Facebook, everything about <laughs> Facebook, except the stock. And listen, they're still in a very powerful position. Advertisers don't flee, regardless of what's going on. And obviously, the people on the platform don't flee. That's a healthy mix. I like the call, but I do think the stock can go higher. Let's slide it, Earl, to the Google, as they say, which is- Well, just real quickly, I, I would just say- I'll let you chime in. Go, please. I would say that 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 low 300 in April, it's not the low in April, but that that, that double bottom that we have here, 300 is a, is a kind of an interesting support level between 300 and 305 here. So let's see how this trade acts, uh, you, know, you know, this stock acts. Uh, I don't think the calls are particularly impactful. I do think it's interesting that the analyst, though, is citing Wall Street sentiment. And that means mm -hmm. Wall Street sell-side analyst sentiment. And, and you know, when the sentiment can turn, it can turn. And I'll just mention one thing. We just mentioned that the predominantly, the, you know, the analysts have buys in the stock. When Apple 
stock started to see, you know, the 95% buy rating level come off, the stock actually started to turn a little bit just from a sentiment standpoint. All right, now slide it to Google. We you, keep, one- you keep mentioning that word. Isn't that what you find in the bottom of your wine glass after you drink one of your expensive Bordeaux, Dan? Or is me? that something I'm, else? I'm, I, dude, oh, that's said. That's that said. I'm, I'm a Budweiser guy, man. Red, yeah, white, no, you're, you're, yeah, right, right. Good for you. Anyway, the Google. Listen, another company that I can make a very compelling argument. It should be a three thousand dollars stock. They're going to earn close to hundred dollars a share. Throw a thirty multiple on it. You can do the math. But again, I like this call because it's sort of outside the box thinking. I hate that phrase, but I used it. Their price target is twenty four fourteen or fifteen, I think. So you can see there's still some upside here in their opinion. They just think people have gotten themselves a little too geeked up. By the way, I think the average price target on the street is $2,762. Why don't you uh, sort of wax poetic is about this call in your vision, Dan Nathan? Yeah, no, listen, I think that Google's the one that, or Alphabet, that, that people want to buy on any dip. And so maybe you get a move back to that uptrend that's been in place from the September lows. Maybe that looks at 2100 or so. I mean, maybe it gets back to that consolidation level in February, March. I think you'll see a lot of people buy it. I, I think the one thing that people ha- cannot really price in is what is um, oncoming regulation look like this? I don't think it's going to be a big deal one way or another. And I agree. I think you buy Google on dips down to that uptrend 21. Let's go to the QQQ, the NASDAQ 100, the ETF that tracks Look it. at this pretty, chart. Pretty fascinating chart, guy. We know that the FMAGA complex, Facebook, Microsoft, Apple, Google, Amazon, make about 45% of the weight here. Um, we're sitting right on that uptrend, that one-year uptrend. You see that double top. You love double tops, 340-ish <laughs> or whatever. It is not really even threatened. It's 200-day moving average at, down there at 303. So we just bring up the QQQ because those two names, which were two of the better performing stocks in the the FMAGA complex. What do you make of the QQQ? Because we're about to go overtime, brother. Yeah, we, I'm telling you right now, we're going OT because we only have about 18 seconds left. So listen, we're going OT. Just just call your jets out yeah. there, people. We're going OT. Uh, what do I think of this chart? Well, it held that trend line like a boss, as, as Carter Worth would say, to yeah. the penny. And yeah. we're bouncing today. Let's see if that bounce holds up. Listen, I'm in the camp that we have to test that up. You hear it? That's the buzzer. We're in OT right now, just in case you were surprised. Yeah, I think we tested 200-day moving average. I think it's going to come in the form of bond yields pushing through that 175 level in the 10-year and the dollar going lower. That's my call. But I love the way it bounced off this level. But those double tops that you drew, not me, are very powerful, right. very, very powerful. Listen, here's what I'd say. Okay, so we have a situation that we have not seen in the stock market in a very long time where the S&P and the Dow Jones massively outperformed the NASDAQ, right? We know that those leaders, those five names that I just mentioned before, they make up more than 20% of the S&P 500. So yes, you've had Microsoft and Alphabet and Facebook acting very well. You know, you have $4 trillion in market cap between Apple and Amazon that have failed to make new highs. And they've literally been going sideways since September here. So I think further correction in these names, and I don't mean like total violations of their charts, and I don't think like denigration in their fundamentals. It's really about deceleration. They were the winners of the pandemic. The back half of this year, on the other side of the pandemic, investors are going to have to say, okay, well, you know, the multiples doubled last year. The stocks doubled last year. What am I willing to pay for decelerating sort of growth with the uncertainty about regulation and a couple other things? So to me, I think the QQQ, if you have this thing back to 
towards, I don't know, that that 200 day around 300, which was also the March lows or a little below it and things don't get really sloppy. I think it's okay here. That's where I want to go back into because I think you're going to have a rotation back into those names out of some of these cheap cyclicals that you guys keep touting here, Guy Adami, because you're oh, big raging inflation call. All right, the let's do one I last thing. My football giants, New York Rangers, New York Knicks, and obviously Yankees. On the way out, Dan, what do we call this segment? Give me whatever, call something so I know. One for the One road, One last brother. thing. One for the One road. For the road. That's, like a, a, that's, like a, that's like a great song, by the way. Anyway. All right, let's, let's do it. It's on DraftKings, and there was an upgrade from Barenberg. Barenberg upgraded. You know, his- I loved Barenberg in Platoon, and he was great in the movie Major League, if you Tom, remember. Wonderful job. Tom Barringer. Tom Berenger. Oh, oh, it's a different person. I, oh, sorry about that. Yeah, he got also fragged. Was, yeah. He got fragged in uh, in platoon. Do you know? Do you know? <laughs> All right. Anyway, so, please so, let me hear about. You. I want so to hear he, about DraftKings. This is this is the this is probably one of the best upgrades you can get from a sell to a hold. I mean, listen, you can get the double upgrade from the sell to a buy, but it's pretty rare. Sell to a hold means you're coming off the mat here. Um, you know, listen, these guys have obviously had a good call. This stock was above. I don't know when they made um, the initial sell call. But the stock was what 74, 75 in March. Here we are at 43 bucks. It it really sliced through it, fragged through that uptrend that's yeah. been in place since last year here, right through that 200 day moving average. What do you make of this thing? They reported earnings. DraftKings reported on May 10th, obviously this week. The price range for analysts, by the way, are from low of $41 to a high of 105, average one being 71. I love listen, this is them taking a victory lap. They had a sell, which yeah. as you know. Very few analysts have sells on anything. It obviously got to a price target they thought made sense, and then they're putting a hold on it. So effectively, that's an analyst saying, I got this one right. And they do get it right from time to time. Good for Tom Berenger. Good for the people at Berenberg. <laughs> and oh, by the way, Dan, good for you for being so civil to me today. Usually you're up in my yeah. grill. All right. Let, let's summarize at 1046 here today. It was fun being here. Well, on that's o- summary. I like that. We we kind of we we hit the Druckenmiller call here. Um, Fed has overstayed its welcome. Yeah, yeah. they have. Yes, they've they exercised Guy Adami on a daily basis for twelve years. Um, you know, not that you've been railing against it, saying inflation's coming, inflation's coming, and you're doing a victory lap. But I think his call is pretty timely on the on the day on the week of that hot CPI report. Morgan Stanley confirms your bias in the steel stocks. They love U.S. Steel, baby. They're going to a buy. They think it's going to a few dollars higher. It wasn't really a pound in the table or anything like that was it guy adami no uh, it wasn't exactly a pound the table go ahead and what right. was the last thing dan well we had, got City, we, had, for you. we had city group that downgraded facebook and google again not a particularly bearish call but they don't have any buy ratings on any of their um of their mega cap tech stocks how do you think that's gonna how do you think their tech bankers feel about that their their internet centric bankers probably there's a, not there's too- a wall between them dan oh, they should right. feel just fine that they have autonomy right. it's a great word okay. and the one for the road you know i was thinking about this roger yeah. miller you should go to tower records this weekend everybody and get by the album uh king of the road trailers yeah. for sale or rent it's a great song love tower records the one right there sort of if you know, on the Upper West Side in the 60s, if you doesn't recall, exist anymore. It doesn't exist Pardon me? anymore. Nor does your Radio Shack. So if you need any new plugs or, or a Tandy Corporation. Wait, let's get out of here. Play that music. I so dig the music. Don't we have like outro music or something? Anyway, today's episode has <laughs> been brought to you, Dan Nathan, by Open Exchange. They manage virtual meetings that matter for the top companies around the world. We'll catch you next Thursday at 1046. Later, Dan. Yeah, bud. Got a dip.